welcome again to another episode or seventh episode of the Regine Life Experience as we explore what it means to be born again with the life of Jesus. I thank God for the journey that we have had so far, and I trust that as we continue to share these moments, that your life in Christ becomes richer and fuller, more peace will come to you, more victories, more understanding, that the blessings that you will receive will also be transmitted to those all around you, that you'll carry to an atmosphere of blessing wherever you go. People will see what being with Gene, with God's genes is all about. And this is what this class is all about, what it means to be regened, to be regenerated. And we are looking at what God did at creation. We have already studied, we have already reviewed, in the previous episodes, that we live on a word, a word planet. We saw God's creative power. God spoke the world into creation. We had three or four different lessons on God's creative power. Then we saw God's creative purpose, why God created the earth, why he created mankind, to fill the earth. Today we are going a step further. After God blessed humanity with all the gifts of heaven through the image of himself in humanity, humanity experienced a dreadful fall. And so today what we want to explore in this episode is the hack of humanity, essentially. We are looking at the Adam effect, how the life of Adam affected his generations. So it is my pleasure to welcome everyone to our session this evening. And feel free to, if you have questions, you can either put it in the chat or you can raise your hand. I'll recognize you. We'll have a wonderful conversation here together. Thank you all for being here as we get into our session this evening. So we are looking at the Adam effect. Everything we experience now had its origin from what happened in the garden. And so as we look at the first family again, we we'll see how Adam's life and the life of the first family has affected all families. This is the journey we are on today. Later on, we'll see what God did in response to what Adam did. So we're going to look at the first family. Then we'll look at identity confusion. And then we look at the generational phenomena. We're going to have the second presentation on the Adam effect at our next session. So we look at the first family today. Adam and Eve, the father of humanity, rule of God's creation. We saw that God created Adam in his own image. Adam was spoken. God formed a body and he placed Adam in a body. He placed his image in a body. The image is what gave life to the body and gave personality to the body, gave a presence to the body. So God created mankind in his own image for a reason. We saw it was for 
identity and for direction, for connection and communion with God, and for freedom and dominion. We saw that God did not do anything without purpose. So there was a purpose for God creating man in his image. Very unique that God would put his own righteous image in a person, in a body form of clay, but to guide that body, to direct that body in everything he did. So God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion. Remember, God is a plural term. We speak of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but it's one spirit. And from God's point of view, God is one because it's one spirit, even though the one spirit expresses itself in three dimensions. It's one spirit, God, just as the body of Christ. The body of Christ consists of many believers, but they all have the same one spirit of Jesus. That's why there's only one body of Christ. There are not many bodies of Christ, only one. And when all Christians come to that understanding, Jesus prayed in John 17, the world will know that he came from God when they realize the oneness of God's restored image in every believer. Right now, we do not see that in Christianity because Christianity has not the correct view of God, the God they serve, and of the life they have received. Every Christian received the same one life. Not a different life, not a different image, but the same image. So God created mankind, created Adam, and out of Adam, God took Eve, a rib out of Adam. They both shared the same spirit. God brought them together and called them one flesh. God did not use the word couple as we use today. He called them one flesh. Today we see two flesh because we do not see as God sees since the fall. And we see what the fall did to all humanity. And that's why we get so confused when we read the Bible sometimes and we cannot understand what God is saying through those whom he appointed to, to write the scriptures. But God said, let us make man. He didn't say, let me, let us. But still he says, we are one because it's one spirit. Even though we have three expressions of the one spirit, God called it one, because the spirit is one. Even though we have millions of Christians all over the world, the Bible calls them one, because it's the same one spirit in all believers. I pray to God that Christians will understand it. So God's masterpiece was Adam. Image of God's own image. And by image, we do not mean physical structure. In our context, because we are living in a false reality, in an illusion, we are living like in a matrix. For us, image has some physical representation, some physical structure. But God is not spirit. God is not physical. God is spirit. God told Moses that you cannot make any image that represent me. 
So when God created man in his own image, it is speaking of God's own righteous nature. God put his own nature in a body to guide and direct what that body was going to do. It was through the image of God, Adam was able to rule the earth. Adam was able to have dominion over the earth. Adam was linked to God directly through the image of God in him. So Adam was God-like in his expressions. So when God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, it is only the image of God that can produce the likeness of God. Adam didn't have to try to be like God. He was already like God because he shared the image of God. And there are many Christians who don't understand that today. Many who are still trying to be like Christ. Many who are still trying to be more God-like. When the restored image within them is God-like, is God's own restored image. But they are trying to serve God from a different place, which we will talk about as we journey through the various sessions we have together. But right now we look at mankind and what happened at the fall, the Adam effect, how it affected us all. So here was Adam in the image of God, God's righteous spirit nature in him, Adam being able to express himself like God, to have communion with God, to rule over the earth and all life forms upon it. That was the nature of Adam before the fall. But then sin occurred. What I want to review with us right now is God's order of operation. Many years ago, I taught math. I was a mathematics teacher for about 30 years. Even while in ministry, I was teaching math. And many people have problems in algebra and in basic math because they do not understand order of operations. We use PEMDAS or BOMDAS. PEMDAS we means parentheses first, P. E, then you do exponents. M, then you do multiplication or division according to the order in which they came. And after that, addition and subtraction, each in their order. And if you do not understand order of operations, basic order of operations in math, the chances are you'll get most math problems wrong. If you add and subtract before you multiply or divide, your answer will always be wrong because you did not follow the order of operation. God had an order of operation in humanity. He formed a clay. He formed a body house first, and then he breathed his image in that house. And God's order was for his image to run the house, not the house to run the image. And through this little diagram I'm showing you here, I, I want to explain this again. I know some of you have seen it before, but we look at it again. God created man to express his life through humankind. And so Adam, as a, as a eunuch, was body, soul, and spirit. 
As you see here in the diagram, the body has the brain in the head and the body has the different organs. But the body has no life until the spirit enters it. There are many who have died. They have brains in them. The dead body has a brain. The dead body has lungs and all the organs, but the dead body has no function. The body has no mind when it is dead. Mind is a function of the spirit in the body. Mind is not a function of the brain. It is a function of spirit. That's why dead people, the Bible says, the moment they die, their thoughts perish. Because there's no mind there, because there's no spirit there. So God designed that from himself, God's spirit will communicate with his image. God's image is the presence of God in a person. And the image of God, which you call the human spirit, was always communicating with God. It is in this organ of the image of God we have the voice of conscience that tells us we do something wrong. No one has to tell us that we did it wrong. We just know. Even for those people who do not believe in God, that's what they say, they have a sense of God because as long as they are alive, some measure of God's image is in them, even though it is depraved, even though it is subjected to the self-image. So they still have a, a sense of right and wrong. They just do not want anyone to rule over them. And that's another conversation. So the image of God relates to God. That's what spirit life is all about. And before the fall, this was very dynamic in Adam. And through the spirit image of God, the brain of Adam became alive, awoke. And the brain began communicating with the body. So the order of operation was always God's spirit to Adam's spirit, Adam's spirit to his brain, and the brain to the body. That's the order. But the body also responded to the brain. So you have the body function. For example, if you touch something hot, it will send a message to the brain. And the brain will send a response back to the body. If you feel cold, it sends a message to the brain. You feel cold, so your brain, through the actions of your mind, will make a decision to get some more clothing on and so forth. So you have communication happening all the time. The brain communicating with the spirit or the image of God in man, the voice of conscience, and the spirit communicating with the brain, the brain in turn communicating with the body through the central nervous system, and the body also responding to the brain. The dominant arrows are showing not only the relationship, but the strength of that relationship. God is most dominant in this order of operation. That's why the arrow is very thick. Then the spirit of humanity, God's image, is second in line. Then the brain, third in line. And the body is a broken line responding to them. So you notice the lines going this way, they're dominant. The line here going backwards from the body is broken. Brain function. 
is stronger than body function because brain controls body. See, the brain arrow is thicker than the body arrow because the brain controls the body. And the spirit arrow is thicker than the brain arrow because the spirit controls the brain. And from God, what's coming from God, the, that arrow from God is thicker than the one in the image because it's God who shared his image with us. So we have this operation going on all the time. This is how God made Adam. This was the default setting. God communicating with his image in a body so the body could express itself in a God-like manner. What we call the soul of man, I'm taking time here to explain this again, is the communication between the brain and the spirit in man, God's image in man. So the communication between the spirit and the brain is what we call soul life. Soul is not something you can touch. It's intangible. It's like a spirit highway between the brain and the image of God. It is what connects the brain to the image of God or to the spirit of the person. That's what soul life is. It is soul life that gives Adam consciousness. So Adam became a living being because his brain was now communicating with the spirit that God put in him. And the spirit was communicating with the brain. That's soul life. So when a person is dead, there is no soul life because there is no communication going on between the, the spirit image and the brain. That's the default system that God puts in, humani in humanity. Do we have any questions? I'm going to pause a little bit here to see if you have any questions concerning this. Just a quick question. So the spirit image is what goes back to God, correct? Absolutely, yes. Okay, thanks. So when a person dies, this is gone. So you have the brain and the body there, but you have no body life and no soul life. Abby? Okay, so we have, there's God's spirit. And then we have a human spirit. Mm -hmm. So God's image so, in you. The human so, spirit is so, the image of God. Okay, so the human spirit is the image of God in us. Yes. So um, are we are we then talking about three spirits? Like, is it God's spirit, our spirit, and then it's the spirit of the evil one, um, but then one of them controls our spirit. No. Hmm. God's spirit and our spirit are one and the same. That's why anyone who is joined to Christ is one spirit with Christ. So okay. we are just an extension of God's spirit. It's the same spirit. Okay. So the Bible says in, in Romans 8 and verse 16, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are God's children. We came from him. We have the same DNA as God has. Just as when they want to find whether a child, child belongs to a man or a woman, they check the DNA. But God's DNA is his spirit in us. 
That's why the Bible says anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ is none of his. They don't belong to him. Is it clear? Um, okay. I have a question. Um, yes. so the so we're talking about there's a there's a spirit part of us that is given to us when we accept Christ and then we become joined in one spirit to God. I think the question might be, and this might be my question too, is the aspect of God's spirit that keeps every human being alive. Can yes. we clarify that distinction? Right. That's that's that spirit is disconnected from God. That's why God told Adam, dying you will die. The best way for me to illustrate this is like, you have a cell phone. We all have a cell phone, right? Yes or no? Yes, yes. Okay. Now, when your cell phone is plugged into a charger, how long could you talk on it? As, as, long, as, um, it's, as long as it has life, the battery life exists. Well, I, I'm, I'm, this is why I say it's plugged into the charger. How long, how long will you be able to speak on it? Continuously. Non-stop. Non-stop, right? Mm -hmm. All the time. Because the phone will be charged all the time. Just imagine this. The phone is you. And the spirit connection is plugged into God. So there's no break in the flow. That's what was happening with Adam and God. No break in the flow because the image and God are connected. Are you following me? It's a, it's a rude, yes. very rough illustration. But just to give you some idea of what I'm speaking about. As long as that phone is plugged into the charger, you can speak on that phone as long as you wish. What happened when the phone is disconnected from the charger? Could you speak on the phone? Don't think too much. Yes. The answer but, is simple. Yes, but not yes, but not as long as wish. Anyone is anyone on his phone right now? Is anyone looking at this session on their phone right now? Yes. Yes. Is, is your phone connected to your charger right now? No. Yes, it is. But no. someone. Somebody's phone is connected, and the next one is not connected. So it means that mm -hmm. if your phone is not connected, you can still use the phone. Yes. yes. Isn't that but right? Never. Yes. Yes, but for a while, yes. For a while, but if you keep using the phone, what will happen to the phone? It dies. It will die. That's why humanity dies. So they still have some charge of God's life in them. And that's what God meant, that my spirit will not always strive with men. My spirit will not always be there to control men. So as we get closer and closer to the end of time, you see human beings becoming more godless because there's less and less influence of what remains of God's spirit, what remains of the charge, the original charge is in them. But they will die. Eventually they will die. Are you following me? Yes. So it's, it's a rough illustration. So those who are not born again, they still have a measure of God's life in them. And that's what Paul speaks of in Romans chapter 2. That you have a conscience that is telling them, either condemning them or excusing them for the things they do. When we are born again, there's a reconnection that is made. 
We are now connected again. This is why it's called regeneration. We have been regened. Regened means we have been reconnected to the life source. So we have eternal life flowing in us again through the restored image of God. Are you following the difference? Yes. So those who have not accepted Jesus Christ, their cell phone is unplugged. Just as when you see your battery dying, you're looking for a charger, right? Yes or no? Yes, yes. We're having a conversation. Talk to me. Yes. Yeah. We know the wages of sin is death. People want eternal life, so they turn to God. So it could be reconnected. It could be recharged. It could be regened. So regene life is life connected to God's life. Let me take your questions if you have any. Is it any clearer? Yeah, I just have a question about the conscious and the subconscious. How does that play into this? The conscious is here. What's going on in the soul life? The soul and body life. The subconscious is what's going on here. That's why it is the most powerful part of a person. Science doesn't understand it because the human brain cannot fathom it. It's spirit life communication. Whatever is coming from this year is the reality. It's more powerful than any part of this. And this is what Adam lost. You'll see it in, so, the, other, you'll see it in the other diagram when I have the, the opportunity to present that to you. So, so Pastor Royce, plugging into the, the, the source reconnects like the subconscious. Yes. Or it, it, there's also, there's also I, some subconscious activity because here's what's happening. When, when, I, when I give you the second diagram, instead of God here, we have the devil here. See? And the devil now have the image of the self, his own image in humanity, working human brain, also at the subconscious level. So you can have evil at the subconscious level, or you can have good at the subconscious level. But the subconscious level is really spirit to spirit activity. Are you following me? You only have yeah. one diagram here because what the devil wants to do is to be like God, to be in the place of God, influencing, suppressing the image of God in a person so that his self-image. That's why you have this war going on in people. They want to do right, but there's another image suppressing the desire for right. Another part of the life communicating, a sinful soul, if you want to call that, communicating here with the brain, pushing us to do what is wrong with the body. Mm. But people don't see this. They don't know this is going on because they are living from here. The devil has taught us to live from here so he could operate from here unawares to us mm. and keep us in subjection to him because you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Are you following me? Yes. It's, yes. Yeah. Okay. So understanding God's default order of operation is very helpful. When God communicates with us all the time, it's always this. God never communicates straight to the brain. 
I'll say it again. God does not connect directly to human brain. He gave us his spirit, his own image, so he could speak to us from his image. And so while people are racking their brains trying to figure out God, God may be speaking to them here and they have no knowledge of it. Because there's so much noise going on in their head, they cannot hear him from the heart. And when I say heart, I'm not talking about the organ in your chest. I'm speaking of the organ of your spirit. Heart means what gave life to the body. And what gave life to the body is not the heart that is beating, but the spirit that gives life to the brain, which causes the heart to beat. Without life from the brain, the heart cannot beat. And without life from the spirit, the brain cannot function. Are you following me? Yes. Yes. Okay. In this class, we'll learn some things. And what I'm sharing with you, I did not get this from university. This is what the Spirit of God showed to me. I don't know, I don't know psychology and all that stuff. But God knows everything. And what I am demonstrating here to you is what the Spirit showed to me. And I'm just trying to make it as simple as possible so we could have some measure of understanding of what's going on with us. So God has a default setting in humanity. The devil's goal at the temptation level is to disrupt the order of operation, to change it, to make it malfunction. It's just like a computer. A hacker gets in there and he changed the original setting of the computer. And so all kinds of crazy things start to happen. So let's see. The Bible says in Genesis 3 verse 1, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he came and said to the woman, now the devil had demonized the serpent and he's speaking to the woman through the serpent. Pay attention to this. Just as God puts his image in a body, the devil is putting his image in a serpent. He said to the woman, as God indeed said, you cannot eat of every tree of the garden. The devil knew what God said, but yet he's misquoting God. He's telling a half truth, which is a whole lie. God said you cannot eat of, you can eat of every tree except one. But he's saying now, did God really say you should not eat of every tree in the garden? What is the devil after? What is he trying to do? Why did he give her that question? Because he had a plot, he had a goal. He wanted to change God's default setting in humanity. If I could affect humanity from the fundamental level of human existence, then I could change anything humanity does. And when we relate to the devil now, we're relating to the devil at the fruit level where we are seeing the manifestations, but we do not understand that there's something fundamentally wrong with humanity. No matter what humanity does, it will always come out wrong because the default setting in humanity was changed. So all the psychology can't change that. So Satan's objective was to initiate a conversation. 
If you talk to a liar, the liar will not tell you the truth. He wanted conversation. Two, he initiated doubt in the word of God. Three, he forced Eve to operate from her head instead of her spirit image. When Satan said to Eve, did God really say you should not eat of every tree in the garden? What is he forcing her to do? Anybody, what is he learning her to do? Think. Uh, to think. Think. To think. Yes. Wait a minute, did God really say that? Hello? The moment we have to think about what God said, we're in trouble. We're exactly where the devil wants us to be. That's why Jesus lived by every word of God. He didn't think about the word of God before he acted. He lived by the word of God. But in our reality, we have been trained to think first before we do anything. At least in most circumstances. And here's where it came from. Here's where human logic was born. Conversation. Did God really say that? He knew God didn't say it. But he wanted Eve to think about what God said. Again, he appealed to Eve here, a soul life and a brain. Eve answered from here. She didn't answer from here. She did not answer from the spirit image. She answered from what she thought. Pay attention to that. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, did she say the right thing? What is she attempting to do? Jessica? Is this the first time that they were actually speaking? Because before it was spirit to spirit. So I don't even know that they, when he, when Adam and Eve communicated with God, I don't, I don't even think they had to speak like verbally. So now uh, is she verbally speaking? Because then there's not a spirit to spirit thing going on it seemed like a vocal now she's thinking and so she's speaking yes but prior to that was there any speaking going on when you're communicating with god wasn't that a spirit to spirit god is always speaking but but it it didn't have to be verbal it didn't was have it? to be verbal but we cannot say it didn't have verbal communication too okay all right see but here's the interesting thing. God never said, nor shall you touch it. Eve added that. The moment we, we, you know, this is what I call corrupt nobility. Eve missed up. She thinks she could defend God. Well, no, God, God didn't really say that, you know. Mistake number one, you can't defend God. There are many people who go around, scholars, 
intellectuals, they call themselves um, apologists, defenders of God, defenders of the faith. It's a corrupt nobility. God doesn't need our defense. We can't defend him. We try to, but we can't. The devil is a liar. And if the devil is after God, no matter what defense you put up, the devil will not believe. I call it corrupt nobility. It seems that you're doing something noble, but it's really corrupt. It's the assumption that I could defend God. And that's a corrupt idea. She was conversing with a liar. Second misstep. Third misstep, she annotated God's command. God said, do not eat of it. She said, do not touch it. The sad truth is the devil was already touching it and he wasn't dead. So right away, it was going to negate what she was saying. In Genesis 2.17, the Bible said, God said, you shall not eat of it for in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Eve said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Two different things. But she ventured to argue with the devil or to prove to the devil that what he's saying is not true. And for when you're talking to somebody who is out to get you, no matter what you say, the person's motive is not to get the truth. The person's motive is to get you. In such situations, do not speak. Do not argue with someone whose intention is out to get you. It doesn't matter what you say. They will misquote what you say, misinterpret what you say, because the motive of the conversation is not pure. So the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. <laughs> right there, you shall not surely die. God said, you surely die. Now he's telling her, you shall not surely die. And he's on the tree and he's not dead. So who would who you believe? Now he's moving reality now from what God says in your spirit to what you're seeing. The devil is changing reality. He's changing reality to only what you could see and feel and hear. Not what God says anymore. God is not reality anymore. I determine what is reality for me. And that's how we live up to this day. So even though God's word says something, our reality tells us something else. So the devil said to her, you will not surely die. You may die, but not surely. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. <laughs> you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Wouldn't they already like God? Talk to me, somebody. Yes. How would they like God? Because they had his image. You already have the image of God. Do you know you already have the image of God? Yes. yes. You receive Jesus Christ, right? Yes. Amen. So why do you still try to see if you can get closer to God? Okay. So who is telling you you're not close enough to God? Satan. Satan. Mm -hmm. And many Christians are doing the dandiest to get closer to God, fasting and praying and all kinds of stuff. Who are they trying to get closer to God, really? Adam. And who is Adam? The flesh. 
Saint. That's correct. Saint. So how is Satan going to get closer to God? Can't. But you'll make them feel they're getting closer. You see, that's the trick of the devil. It'll make you feel like you're getting somewhere. And now you get into self-righteousness and behaving in a righteous kind of way and making feel and do I'm righteous and I'm close to God. And as soon as I make a mistake, I feel flat. And God allows us to make those mistakes so we can see the folly of trying from our flesh to be like God. So he told Eve, you will be like God. You will get to know. And many Christians are right there. He's telling them the same lie. If you fast some more, if you pray some more, you'll be more like Jesus. Then you're already like Jesus. Make us feel we don't have what God says we have. And they're praying, 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 and God is saying, well, who is praying to me? I can't answer him. They already have what they need, but they don't know they have it. Because the lie of the devil is still real. Because we are all up here. And God is saying, be still. Be still up here. So you can hear me from within. So here is the birth of lust happening to humanity. This is the hack of humanity. Satan is putting his own nature in Eve. And she did not know it. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, I mean, what does that mean to you? If God says, if you eat this tree, you will die. Does that sound like us? Yes. When we know our flesh, that's what it sounds like. We know what the word of God says, you know. But then some smart person tells us something else. Some philosophy we get from somewhere tells us something else. The devil speaking through people. And we use our eyes and our senses to test what reality is. And it's not true. Reality was changed there for Eve, and she didn't realize it. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, how did she see that? Physical eyes. Huh? Physical eyes became open. Yeah, but how did she see it was good for food? Because the serpent was eaten. Somebody have to be eating it. Yes, when the tree he was eating. Somebody yeah. had to be eating it and was not dead. Are you following me? Yes. So she saw it was good for food. And it was pleasant to the eyes. Good for food, that's the lust of the flesh. Pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes. And a tree desirable to make one wise, that's the pride of life. The pride that people get from all the knowledge they think they possess. She took off its fruit and she ate it. And she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. So here's the booth of lust in humanity. Satan transferred his own lust because he was lusting after God's power. He was laughing after God's authority. Isaiah 40 verses 12 to 14. How are thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How you are cut down to the earth, for you said in your heart, I will exalt myself above the throne of God. 
above the stars of God. The lust, that's where the lust came from. And Satan transferred his ambition to be like God. Now he's telling Eve and Adam, they too could be like God if they follow his instructions. Question. We see something here. So we see the lust being born. She saw that the tree was good for food, the lust of the flesh. The tree was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, what we see. And then we have, it was desirable to make one wise, the lust of self-importance or the pride of life. When she saw all of that, she took up the fruit. Now here's the thing. <laughs> the world is still eating from the fruit. The fruit now is the world. Listen carefully to me. Many people don't know that. Because here's the thing, folk. After the fall, God put a flaming sword around the tree of life, protected it from Adam and Eve. Nothing is mentioned about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil after, after the fall. As a matter of fact, the tree of knowledge of good and evil is mentioned only once in the Bible. And I want to say to you, God had no connection to that tree. He didn't plant it. The evil one planted it. The evil one planted it, that's why he could sit on it. Those two trees in the midst of the garden represented God and the evil one, Christ and the evil one. The tree of life, like the river of life, like the bread of life, was a symbol of Jesus Christ. It's life. And he who had the power of death, Christ came to destroy him who had the power of death. That's why God said, if you eat of this tree, you will die. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 says, Christ came to destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. So there's more going on in that genesis than we understand. We are still eating from the tree. The world is a symbol of the tree. So when the Bible says, do not love the world or the things in the world, pay attention. If anyone loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's in, comp it's in competition with the Father. For all that is in the world, the same lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, is not of God. The world appeals to the lust that is already implanted in humanity. The devil uses the world to speak to the lust that is in humanity. The pride, the world speaks to that. Everybody wants to be great, to be somebody in the world, want people in the world to recognize them, to elevate them. The lust of the eyes, all the bling bling that the world shows to us. The lust of the flesh, how they promote lusting after the flesh. Not just immorality, but debauchery and greediness. People's belly become the alpha God. The same thing. 
When he saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and desirable to make one wise like God. And the more people educate themselves, the less they depend on God because they become a little God to themselves. That's what's happening here. That's why nothing else is said of the tree because the tree still remains. The symbol of the tree is the world in which we live. Stifling the word. Jesus said in Mark 4, 19, that the cares of the world stifle the seed of the word in people's life. Notice this. See the word world? If you take the L out, what do you get? Word. Word, that's correct. See that L represents lies. Take the lies out and you get the word. Because the world is full of lies. They keep humanity in bondage to the evil one. So we have the birth of lust. The Bible says both of their eyes were open and they knew that they were naked. Huh. They were naked before, but they knew they were naked like that. But now their eyes are open only to natural reality. What they call real now is really the illusion. But their spiritual eyes, their spirit was now dark because it was disconnected from the light source, God himself. So even though their physical eyes were open now to the natural world, they could not see in the spirit anymore. They were not sensitive in their spirit as before because they're now cut off from the source. So now they see that they are naked. Yes, Berlin. Pastor, so why does God allow um, the devil to plant a tree? Why he allowed the devil to plant the tree? Mm -hmm. Well, I wish I could get into God's mind and tell God knows you. everything. And you know that was going to happen. Yes. Hmm. But God yeah. allows us to play out. God knows what we're going to do to and he allows us to do yeah. all things, right? Yeah. Now, when you read Ezekiel, yes, 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 I admit the Spirit gave me some connections. Mm -hmm. When you read Ezekiel 28, okay? especially from verse 10 onwards. It's a lamentation that God is taking up. He told the prophet to take up against the king of Tyrus. Mm -hmm. The king of Tyrus was a literal king, but the devil was using the king of Tyrus. It was the mm -hmm. devil himself who possessed this man. Mm. And so when you read through that in Ezekiel 28, you will see that God is really talking to the devil. Mm. And he's telling the devil, I made you. I made you this beautiful voice. You were one of the covering cherubs. You were one of the cherubins, one of the, the great angels who stood before me. He said, you walk up and down within the stones of fire. In other words, you're in my presence. Right. You see? He said, I made you so until iniquity was found in you. Hmm. He says, you walk up and down the Eden of God. Satan, listen, Eden existed before the world existed. 
The tree is called eternal life. The tree gave eternal life because it was not created in time. Anything that was created in time is not eternal. So the tree existed before the world began. The garden of Eden was taken from heaven, brought to earth. So when the Bible says God planted a garden east of Eden, listen. When the Bible says plant, it's not like how we plant. Right. When the Bible says form, it's not like how we form. God doesn't have to take fork and back or whatever to till the soil to plant something. God speaks. Speak again. You see, so we have to get out of this human way of looking at God and realize, well, God doesn't operate with us, has hands and feet like us. Mm -hmm. It's beyond that. But Satan had access to Eden before this world began. Mm. But the test had to be there because man had a choice now between God and the devil. Right. Here's the other clue for us. In the book of James, chapter 1, the Bible says God does not tempt anybody. God does not provide a source of temptation for people and then say, well, I have a source of temptation for you. And if you fail, this is what will happen to you. The Bible says he does not tempt anyone and is not tempted of anyone. So who put the, the tree of temptation there? The God? The evil one. There you go. Why didn't, devil, why didn't the devil go on the other tree? Hmm. He couldn't go there. But he didn't plan that. Couldn't go. He could not go on that tree. He couldn't touch it. Mm -hmm. And here's the other thing. When we read the Bible, we realize you have to read what is absent. God never said a thing again about that tree. Only one reference God had to that tree in the whole scripture. Don't eat of it, otherwise you die. That's it. But the tree of life occurs over and over and over again in scripture. So what become of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? People are still eating of it today. Knowledge is a two-edged sword. It could do good, but it also can do some dreadful evil because the devil is behind it. Are you following me? Yes. Pastor Roy, is it wrong of us to still partake of that fruit? It exists today and we still eat it. <laughs> is it wrong of us to still eat it? Of course. That's why it's so difficult for us to obey God and to believe God. Why do you think it's so difficult for people to believe God? Because they're feeding on all the lies that the world presents. The world shaped the way we think. The idea we have of love and of family and of home and all the stuff we take from the world, not from the word. Because when the word of God says so, we take what the world tells us and we put the word of God aside because everybody else is doing it. So when you read in 1 John 5, 19, that the whole world lies under the sway of the evil one, you have to wonder. So Jesus tells us we live by every word of God. Not every word of the world.
So after they sinned, they heard the voice of God in the garden. And they went and hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? Did God know where Adam was? Yes. Yes, yes he knew. Yes. So why did he ask the question? Where are you in your spirit? Yeah. Yes, Adam was lost. Adam was lost. You know, sometimes you could be standing in your home and you feel lost. You have this blank gaze in your, on your face and you have a, like there's a space in your mind, you're, you're somewhere and you're trying to make sense of where you are. Adam was lost. Eve was lost. They were now hiding. That's, that's how things change. They now believe they could hide from God because they're looking at the physical. So Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid, I was naked, I hid myself. Everything Adam said, this should, this should really get our attention. Adam really believed what he said. And you know, we really believe what we say too. Isn't that right? Are you there? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. We believe what we say too. The trouble is we don't know who is saying it. <laughs> so when Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden, I was afraid, I was naked, I hid myself, he thought he was speaking the truth. Just as we think we are speaking the truth. Until God asked him the question, who told you you were naked? If your child comes to you and say to you, no clothes on. Mommy, I'm naked. And you tell the child, who told you you are naked? What do you think the child will say to you? I have no clothes on. Who told you you have no clothes on? What do you think the child will say to you? Mm -hmm. If you tell the child, who told you you have no clothes on? What, what do you think the child will say to you? I told myself. They will say, nobody tell me that. Yeah, that's right. They will say, nobody tell me that. I told myself. Or the child will say, hey, hey, mom, you can't see. Look. I told myself, mommy. <laughs> so who was telling Adam? And this is what God said. Who told you you were naked? Somebody was telling him. Somebody connected to the tree was telling him. Because when God said that, have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? So whoever told him had some connection with the tree. Yes or no? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> because he was not aware of that before. Right, but you see how we can read, unless we get revelation, we just read it and we didn't take time to really ask ourselves these questions. Mm -hmm. We just read the story. 
We all know the story, but do we really know the story? Mm. God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree? So whoever told Adam had connection to the tree. And Adam is now defining himself by his body. He's no longer the image of God. Now his body, his physical body becomes more dominant than the image of God in him. That's the tragedy of Christianity today. The physical body is still more dominant than the image of Christ. Hmm. And that's why the body of Christ is so divided because the image of Christ is not the reality. So the hack of Adam has given to us what I call the Adam effect. We see things now the way Adam saw them after the fall. We relate the things as Adam related to them after the fall. Christ came to reconnect us, to correct our vision of things. Satan came to him in the wilderness and he's showing us by his reaction how to deal with what the devil is telling us on the inside. Notice? The devil didn't come to Christ in person on the outside. He was speaking to him in his mind. But Christ knew the, the voice of the devil because he was speaking contrary to the word of God. So he definitely actually lift Christ up and put him on a pinnacle in the temple in the Jerusalem. Christ traveled all day in his mind. The devil is showing him these things. So through the fall, this is what Adam has given to us. The initial effect is a spirit of fear. Because now Adam was consigned to die. So your, your cell phone is unplugged and you keep looking at it, keep looking at it because you see the bars are going down and you're afraid you might be on the phone talking to somebody, a very important conversation, and you're afraid that the phone might die out. And all you hear is click. We may tell the person, look, let's, let's stop the conversation right now. Stick a pin. I will come back to this. Let me charge my phone. Let me see if I could find my charger. The spirit of fear is here because Adam is destined to die. Nakedness of body and soul. The vision of the nakedness was also a reflection of the nakedness of Adam's soul that was now disconnected from the life of God. Another syndrome from Adam or the Adam effect is the avoidance of God's presence. Most Christians go to God in prayer, not for, because of his presence, not because they want his presence, they want what he can give them. They want his deliverance, they want his blessings, they want this, they want that, they want the other, but not so much his presence. Because the image of the devil or the image of the self does not like the presence of God. Many Christians do not really want to go to heaven because they think it's a boring place. It does not appeal to the self. Many Christians do not want Jesus Christ to come now because the world has more appeal to them than heaven does. All they want heaven for is eternal life. That's it. If people are honest, that's all they want heaven for. If people are really honest with themselves, you'll see that's what they want heaven for. But if I could live forever and all the stuff I have down here, I don't want heaven. Come on, am I talking the truth or not? Yes. I hear you. It's the truth. 
Amen. There are many Christians who do not want Jesus Christ to come now because things nice for them. They just wish they could live forever to yeah. enjoy it. Because truth, the truth and in fact is self, which is the image of the devil, will never enjoy the presence of God. That's the Adam effect. Okay, let's see. I can hustle through the rest of these slides so we can bring an end to this. The woman is accusing God. Adam is accusing God about a woman. God said, have you eaten of the tree? Adam said, well, he didn't say yes. You know, Adam answers as a lawyer. He didn't know how to obfuscate, how to sidestep the issue. He did never say yes. Does he never answer yes to the question? Always have an explanation. Instead of taking responsibility and saying yes, Adam said, look, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. See why Adam didn't take the fruit himself? Adam allowed her to give him. And he ate. Because he said, she gave it to me. And you know how I love her. And I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? <laughs> now who is talking to the Lord? Is not his image talking to him anymore? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Interpretation, if you didn't make the serpent, I wouldn't be deceived and I would be all right. So both Adam and Eve were now blaming God for what happened to them. So the Lord said to the serpent, he didn't ask the serpent a question, as he did Adam and Eve. If God had asked the serpent a question, we know what the serpent will do, right? What will the serpent do if God had asked the serpent, well, what have you done? What do you think the serpent would have said? But I insult God. He would have blamed God, yeah? Yeah. Not only blame God, he has show Adam and Eve what a what a rascal God is. Yeah. He's tell Adam and Eve all kinds of stuff about God in the presence of God. But God is smarter than him because God created all things. He knew what Satan had in his mind, so he didn't ask him any questions. He told him, because you have done this. You have done all this mess. You want to be like me. You are cursed more than all cattle. More than every beast of the field, on your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Pay attention to that. The devil will eat dust all the days of his life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. Between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The two images are two seeds of life. One producing life, the other one is producing life that is governed by death. And Christ has put enmity against them. I'll be talking a little bit about that tomorrow evening, so make sure you are here. He put enmity 
between the two seeds. So that his life, what remains of his life in humanity could survive. Notice God put it. We can't change it because it's already established. And then he said to the woman, you are cursed. I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception and pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband. You understand why women sometimes stay in abusive situations and all that kind of stuff. And when the cops come to arrest them, no, don't arrest him. I didn't want you to arrest him. I just want you to tell him to stop. Because the desire shall be for the husband. That's a part of the curse. When you're born again, you can't get away from that curse. Because Christ became the curse so we could be free from the curse. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. That's the curse. That is the curse. But when you're born again, the life of Jesus Christ, Christ is ruling over all. Men try to use this. You can't have it both ways. If you try to use this, you are still under the curse. And Christ has not done anything for you. We'll have this conversation concerning this a little later on. And he said to Adam, because you have heeded the voice of your wife. Notice this. So Eve pressured him, look, you got to eat. I ate it. So you got to eat it too. Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, not the voice of God that has spoken to you, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Curse is the ground for your sake, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns, both thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the herbs of the field. In the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it, you were taken. So God is not describing Adam now as the image of God. He's describing him by the body of his flesh because he allowed his flesh to rule over God's spirit in him. For out of the ground you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Wow. For the devil, God told the devil, you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Remember that? Yes. He told the devil on his belly you shall crawl, speaking to the serpent, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And God is saying, Adam is dust. Mm -hmm. what, what is that saying to you? Hmm. What's that saying to us? Anybody? You eat the dust, mankind. Man. Flesh. That the body, yeah. Body is. What, what does it say to you? We are food for the devil. The body is food for the That's devil. correct. Hmm. That's correct. Hmm. The devil will control it. Hmm. So if you don't walk in the spirit, 
So Adam no longer bore the righteous image of God. He was defined Adam as mere dust. Hmm. Adam now ruled by guilt and fear, self-preservation, logic, and the logic of human reason. That's what Adam gave to us. Hmm. So when you see people being proud, it's just dust. Proud about nothing. The devil pump them up, make them feel that they are more important than others until he touches their dust. And so here's the diagram that I wanted to show you earlier on. God is in the background. The connection to, to God and his image is mad, it's dormant. But yet the devil is operating through the self-life of Adam. And he is using his image in the spirit of man to suppress that. So the soul is now dark. Notice, no line here. From, God's, from the spirit of man, it's a broken line because the spirit is no longer dominant. The brain is more dominant than anything else. We use our thinking more than our spirit. We spend more time in our head than in our heart. And so brain function is more dominant. That's why we have all kinds of brain malfunctions. All the different things people suffer from, schizophrenia and all the different things because the brain is now being used not the way God designed it to be used. And so there's breakdown in the brain, poison, and toxins coming from the brain pouring into the bloodstream of humanity, causing all types of bodily ailments. Satan replaced the order of operation in humanity. And that is what gave us chaos, confusion. Jesus said, when the light is gone out, the whole body is full of darkness. The lamp of the body is the eye of the body, and the lamp is really the spirit of God and man. When that lamp is out, the whole body is full of darkness. And so, beloved, my friends, we have reviewed what Adam did. The seed of human life was in Adam, not in Eve. And so Adam gave to all his children his broken image. Not the image of God, but his broken, suppressed image. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, death spread to all men for all sinned. All sinned in Adam. So here we are. This is the first section of the Adam effect. The next time we come together, the next episode, we'll be looking at the second part, part two of the Adam effect. We're going to talk, take a little look at the, the image confusion and the generational 
curse that is upon humanity, how it has affected all of us, and then we move into what God did. So you'll see why born again life became necessary, why God had to regenerate us, why natural human life cannot serve God, why people have to be born again. That's why I take the time for us to go through this so you could see the reason why born again life is necessary. At this time, I'll take any questions you may have before we close for the evening. Okay. Well, thank you. We have come to the end of another episode of the Regine Life Experience. Until we meet for the next presentation on the Adam Effect. Good evening to everybody. <laughs>